The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. I'm super excited about our guest today. I have been following Dog Mom Mentality for some time, and uh, we've coordinated, and we are actually having Caroline on the podcast here today, and we are going to get all into her journey and how she's helping and serving dog owners. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Good job, pumpkin. All right, my quirky tip of the day today is I want you guys to check out Caroline's Growing and Healing Journal. You can find it on her website, Dog Mom Mentality, but it is like brilliant how it works you through different ways to kind of help like alleviate your stress, help your dog through some stuff, give you an actual plan of action. So please go and check that out on her website. It is an amazing tool to have. And it's not just like this loose prompt, like, where are you starting? Where do you want to head? Like it really guides you and it has a lot of great psychological principles. So today we have... As I say, not to be confused with the dog daddy. (laughs) Don't start. Dog mom (laughs) mentality. We'll talk about him another time. All right. So we have Caroline Edmonds and she is joining us from Kentucky. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show and welcome. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how the heck you got here? Yeah, yeah. So I I am from Kentucky. I'm 25, will be 26 in May. And I actually work full time as a software engineer. So if you can see anything in my background, (laughs) that's like my actual work desk, my nine to five stuff. Um, But we got Layla in February of 2020. So right before the nasty pandemic hit. And um, my husband and I got her at the time we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, but we uh, quickly turned into pandemic life. So quarantine. So it was just us and Layla and we were living at my mom's house and we then moved into the house that we currently live in now, which is in more of a city. And as we started to do that, we realized that, you know, Layla Looking back on it, Layla probably didn't have a lot of the socialization that she needed. She's a herding breed. We weren't very educated about some of the the stuff that goes into having a high-energy herding breed dog like that. And she started to have some reactivity and behavioral issues. And at the same time, I was going through a lot of transitions, which really skyrocketed my anxiety as well. So you kind of mixed an anxious girl dog owner with this like anxious reactive dog and we just butted heads a lot honestly and through um through our journey through training her through learning more about dog psychology and dog behavior and everything out there that you can just do to help them I started to apply some of that to myself so some of the things like how a dog can get over threshold or how a dog can have triggers stacked. And then, you know, that kind of leads to some of the reactive behavior or you're just teaching them to respond appropriately, right, to, to different stressors. And a lot of that I started to apply to my own mental health and my own anxiety. So that's one side of it. But then she just mirrored back so many things to me that I had never really been aware of, like, how how much my perfectionism really took a toll on um, everything that I did and how I was putting pressure not only on me, but also on her at times, which led us down uh, some, some roads of failure. 
But then also just like, you know, dealing with with burnout and dealing with guiltiness and comparison and all of that came with being a dog owner. So really throughout this whole journey, I've experienced so many emotions and I wanted to help others or just make aware of it, not not have it be such of a taboo topic, right, to talk about um, mental health in a way. And by, by talking about it through dog ownership, it became a little bit more relatable. Like people understood it a little bit better. And then it's kind of broadened, uh, my content to talk about more just general mental health topics, not just from a dog owner perspective, but I've always had this really big interest in mental health ever since growing up. Um, I saw how people were stigmatized by, um, having a mental mental illness or you know going to see a therapist or needing to take medication whatever and for a long time i saw that stigma and thought well i don't want to be like that because i don't want to be judged and so it really caused me to mask a lot of my issues a lot of my anxiety especially and then later on my depression and it it caused me to mask a lot of that and suppressed so much of it inside of me But then whenever I started to be more open about it, whenever I got Layla, because that was kind of the first time that I ever talked about my anxiety publicly, even to like my parents and my friends, it just opened up this, this whole like healing journey for me to, to heal different parts of me. But it all wouldn't have happened if I didn't have Layla to put me through some of those challenges to begin with. Yeah, 100%. And it's so often we just say like, oh, that dog's crazy. Oh, because Layla's a, a herding mix, so oh, sh- an Australian yeah. shepherd mix or something, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. super cute Blumerl. She was in our YouTube thumbnail. But, you know, we just so often pass it off like, oh, that dog's never going to get anything. And oh, that dog, you know, was bred poorly. And oh, that dog. But actually working through your issues has been like life-changing for both of you in a certain way. And now you're helping other right. people. So I just, it, it's a really important thing from our perspective, just the inspiration of like, going through the shit actually makes things better on the other side, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I've come to realize like, you know, first you have to be aware of it and then you have to like actually do something about it. And most of the time people just resist, resist, resist. And I felt like it, 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 it was so much resisting uh, from me in the first part. And then I was like, okay, like I have to deal with this. And then once I actually started leaning into it, all of these big realizations and, um, overcoming certain things and being able to set boundaries with people and like all, all of this stuff just really came out of not resisting it anymore and actually getting into it with, with Layla. And then also just being aware of my own self, my own feelings, and then starting to work on that. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you don't mind, just, you don't have to get real in depth, but just a little bit of tidbits for people out there. Some ways that you did help her through stuff, just people out there that are struggling that are like, oh my God, like I'm in this situation. They're probably like welling up hearing about it right now. What were some types of tools or like ways or techniques or whatever that you had gotten from point A to point B, if that makes sense? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, from a training perspective, there was just so many. So with Layla, she was specifically, uh, fearful of skateboards, certain sounds and like just certain objects, but skateboards was like a really big deal for us. And that's a pretty common one, which is why I throw it out there. And so she used to flee. So she wasn't the aggressive barking lunging. She was a fleer and would run the total opposite direction. And that was really embarrassing for me. And a lot of this kind of boiled down to boil down to 
I felt like a bad dog owner. I felt like she looked like a bad dog. Therefore, I looked like a bad dog owner. And I hated that. I hated that perception of me. And so that really drove a lot of my motivation at first, kind of that like ego side of me drove a lot of the motivation, which is one of the things that I ended up working past. Um, But so she would be super fearful of, of skateboards and a lot of different things. And her reaction was to flee. And so a lot of it was confidence building, desensitization, going super, super slow, which is something I had a really hard time with because I felt like, oh, she should be getting it by now. Let's move on to the next step. And it was like, no, I really had to learn how to listen to her, listen to what she was going through, what she needed or what she was doing um, to be able to tell when to actually move forward with our training And so a lot of that was confidence building and desensitization. On the flip side, there was one point, and this was what really sent sent us over the edge, was that she became aggressive in her crate. So whenever we would go to close the crate door, she would start barking, lunging, um, snarling, kind of these like more aggressive behaviors. And that was whenever I decided like, I really need to get into the, into training. I really need to figure out what's going on because there was at one point that we thought we were going to have to rehome her because it had gotten so bad and it had just sent my anxiety through the roof. Um, so with that, that was a whole, whole training protocol to, you know, be able to get her used to the crate again, because up until this point, she was fine. There was a certain incident that happened that I think kind of like flipped it for her. Um, so then we had to go back to relearning this positive association with the crate, relearning to, to go in there and lay down. But it was specifically whenever we would go to close the door. So she had this very aggressive reaction to us closing the door. Um, and that was super, super hard on me to be able to manage my emotions in that setting while she was reacting, you know, what I mean? It was like not reacting to her reacting. Mm -hmm. Right. And so much of that I've ended up applying to my everyday life. You know, I might be talking to somebody and they might get defensive and I have to take a second and sit so that I don't get defensive myself to them getting defensive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for, for the actual owner side of it and my emotions and my feelings. Like I said, first step is always awareness and then moving on from that into actually doing something about it. But part of that is being able to label like what you are feeling, what exactly is it that is making you anxious, stressed, frustrated, and then being able to actually sit with those feelings long enough to figure out what to do about them. And for so long, it was more of just a reaction myself. You know, she would bark at the squirrels. I would get mad Mm -hmm. and then I would yell or I would do whatever. I would, you know, try to block her from, from the window. And it was just this very quick reaction. And I had to, to more so start being proactive instead of reactive. Um, But it definitely took a lot of time of me just like sitting with my feelings and then figuring out what could I do instead? Or how could I make this a better situation? Or how could I be more proactive and set us up for more success? And uh, a lot of that I did through journaling. So then that is why I created the Growing and Healing Journal to help owners label their emotions first off, and then go through different guided prompts to you know process what they were feeling. So the journal is broken down into Um, four different sections, but the beef of it is really this actual guided 
journal and it covers 10 different emotions. So five more good and five more bad. So the, the bad ones are like frustrated, guilty, um, unmotivated. And those really walk you through like processing your feelings, getting your mindset back into, into a good place, you know, kind of getting over that comparison. And then the good ones are more about like reminiscing, feeling proud of yourself. Uh, like that, that would be brave, motivated, um, vulnerable, joyful. And those are kind of, you know, for the days that you had a really good walk and you've been working so hard to like get to that good place. Now you want to think about it and reminisce and have that uh, in a spot. And so it's there for you whenever you do have a bad day again, and you can go back and look at it. But a lot of this processing and figuring out, you know, what is the actual triggering thing for me? Because, you know, it's not Layla running in the opposite direction whenever she saw the skateboard. It was that she seemed like a bad dog. Therefore, I seemed like a bad dog owner. And that questioned my perfectionism. You know what I mean? So it really came all all back to that, like being aware of it, sitting with the feelings, seeing what is actually bothering me at its core kind of thing. And so I really did a lot of that with, with journaling. But those were kind of like the the high level steps that it took to get to the place uh, of where we are today. Yeah, completely. And Scott says all the time, like just getting owners to be present is really difficult. Right, right. Just, just being, I mean, your self-awareness is very admirable and, and your desire to actually work through this stuff because the way I look at it, you know, I'm going out and seeing new people at least, you know, half a dozen times a week, I'm seeing a new dog owner with, and the dog training part of it is pretty simple. This is not right. rocket science, you know, but helping them become more present, more aware of what's going on, less reactive to what's going on, not taking it personal. I sat with, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. excuse me. I had That's a, a big one. I had a pit bull yesterday that has bit the owners repeatedly and they would, the dog had aggression in the crate, like putting that dog in the crate would create a battle. I mm-hmm. mean, these husband and wife were both, they told me that they, there were times when they were crying. They were just both crying about it. it was so intense and so upsetting. And I said, listen, you're taking it personally. You know, you're, it's obviously upsetting to have aggression issues. But I was able to work them through a lot of stuff and we were able to get the dog in the crate and, and they felt so much better. But being, I mean, and this gets, I mean, I get triggered with Jess. We have, right. and I, and now, <laughs> excuse me, I, when I do get triggered by her, I have to pause and, you know, I am way more self-aware of it now than I was in the past, but I know, okay, she's, why am I feeling this way? What is, what's going on in me that's creating this defensive reaction to mm-hmm. her and what she said? I don't know how I can be very triggering. I think I'm pretty <laughs> well, perfect. It but... <laughs> and, it, and, it, and the reality is it has nothing to do with you. That's what I was going to ask. It's bringing up something yeah. from my past. Yeah. Maybe my right. mother, maybe my dad was making me feel like a piece of crap somehow. She might say a phrase that subconsciously tapped into something else, but I just got to work through it. And it's funny because I initially got involved with dogs to escape my life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, because my work life was very intense and I, and it was my outlet to go train dogs and get into dog sports. That was my fun. But what it did was it confronted me with my life. It made yes. me see who I am. So in the beginning it was like, oh, I'm going to get away from all this stress and just deal with this dog. And here I am getting stressed with my dog. <laughs> and then my dog is teaching me about all the work I need to do on myself, you know? 
And you can either choose to work on yourself and become a better dog owner, dog trainer. Dog person. Dog person. Person, yeah. Or or you can um, just blame the dog and not ever make yourself better and get another dog. And it doesn't work with that dog either. And you can have five dogs and it never gets better. And it's always the same problem because it's not the dogs. It's how you're interacting with the dogs. I mean, one of the biggest things we deal with is, is anxiety in dogs. These dogs, don't, a lot of them don't come with anxiety. They get the anxiety because, and I say to the people in a non-judgmental way, I say, you know, the dog, they say, oh, the dog is so anxious. And I say, well, is there anyone in the household? Do you guys have much anxiety? And, oh, yeah, they're all, they very quick, yeah, I'm, I have all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good to know. Let's think about how that's bleeding into the dog's life now, and the dog is reflecting all this stuff that you're walking around with, you know? So it is a great opportunity for people to heal themselves if they're willing, if they're courageous enough to take a look at themselves and say, yeah, I got, I got issues, and I want to work through them. I want to be a better person for myself, for my dog, for my spouse, for my kids, and the dog can be an incredible journey. And the more difficult the dog, the more rewarding the journey can be. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but, but you got to suck it up and yeah. work through it, you know, and deal with this stuff. Yeah, you know? and kudos to you for hitting the journey so early in life because I'm telling you, it really does change a lot of perspective. When I was of 25, things. I just drank. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, I'm not dealing with this crap. I'm going out. Yeah. But, uh, well, well, you I, really summed up like a lot of you know, what I went through with Layla and what, you know, what I'm continuously going through. Sure. Just in, in your little. Scotty spiel. (laughs) Yeah. Spiel there. Yeah. You really summed up a lot of it because, you know, even so much from like you were working with your client on the the crate and it was like, I went through that. I feel that we were crying too at times. Yeah. And, you know, it took, took a lot for me to detach myself from that. And for, for a really long time, um, I just released a podcast episode about this, but you know, whenever Layla would have these reactions, especially in her crate and she would bark back at me, I would lose my, my mind. I would lose my shit. I don't yeah. know yeah. if I'm allowed to cuss, yeah. but Wait, I would lose we're my- big swears. Okay. We're like sailors <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I would, lo- I would lose my shit. Yeah. Just, I would be crying myself. And you know, at one point I thought if I can't handle a dog barking at me, how in the world am I ever going to be able to have kids that, you know, may call me stupid or say, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you can put an electric collar on kids. (laughs) 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 And it took me a really long time to like get past that, to, to be able to detach myself from it and like not take it so personally. Um, And even with her crate. So long story short, we had a, horrible uh, landlord at one time and she would come over unannounced. And there was one time that I had to hurry up, go shove Layla in her crate so that she wouldn't be out whenever the the landlord came in. And I think there was one of those times that I did that. And I was a anxious ball of, of anxiety at that time and, uh, or a ball of anxiety at that time. And I think all of that put together is what triggered her to have this negative reaction to putting her in her crate from that point on. Um, and so, you know, it did take a lot of like me controlling my own anxiety and, you know, even on the walks, I, I like to say that, um, like my anxiety can add to her anxiety. Right. But like, I don't think my anxiety caused her to be fearful of skateboards. No, of course not. Yeah, no, of course not. And of course, the more intelligent the dog, the more um, readily they're going to be having their own thoughts too. Right. 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 (laughs) So like, even though, um, 
And my dogs were, were all my dogs were all smarter than me, and that was the problem in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, let her go. Same. Layla can pick up on patterns like no other. But like, you know, if I was anxious putting her in her crate, it was more likely that she was going to react because yeah. mm-hmm. she was picking up on all of that, like how you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I do want to ask you, and Scott kind of touched on it, so he gave the preload there. But as you went through your journaling journey and everything else. How much of the journal was actually about her and how much like did it kind of go back to your like day-to-day life or other shit? Does that make sense? Like, do you know what I mm-hmm. said? Like, did did other stuff like come up through all of that? Right. Yeah. So are you talking about while creating the journal? No, or, like, like while you were going through journaling. your journaling and your healing right, right, right. and like trying to work through it, like, did you notice like stuff popping up that really had nothing to do with the dog sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it, especially like the, the perfectionism and the people pleasing, those are the two really big ones that, um, it kind of boils down to a lot. So, you know, one of it being, I can't control every situation and I can't control her and I can't control her reactions. And I grew up an only child, very independent. I was a go-getter who just do everything until it was done and I wouldn't take breaks. And that was so hard with her because like she would control the situation as well. And like, she wasn't ready to move on to the next step of getting used to the skateboard. And that drove me nuts because (laughs) I wanted to, to get it done as soon as possible. So we could move on with our lives. And, you know, then things started popping up where I would notice the same kind of pattern happening and, or, or I would be looking back on old things and kind of notice that same pattern and be like, crap, well, there it is again. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and same thing with, um, with people pleasing. I really, really struggle with people pleasing and hate disappointing people. And so for a really long time, it, I was really hard for me to set boundaries or tell Layla, no, you know what I mean? Not to do something. Um, or just even set up like physical boundaries, right. For her to not go into the kitchen Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I realized that it kind of came back to my people pleasing that I wanted her to just be able to do whatever she wanted and be happy and, uh, learned that that did not set us up for success at all. So I had to learn how to set boundaries with her and by gaining confidence in that, I was able to start setting boundaries with other people in my life. So boundaries are cool. Yeah, no, kudos <laughs> to you for that. For now, sure. now your husband sleeps in the guest room. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the guest room. There's bed in here. So There's it's either our There's bed proof. or the couch. <laughs> so you talk a little bit about being like a recovering perfectionist. And I know that this is part of your like journey and stuff now. But I mean, as women, as only children, as dog moms, whatever, like this perfectionism, this people pleasing thing is kind of like just a uh, a common trend that I even see with our clients. So what are some things now that like, when you're like, Oh my God, I want that to be better than it is. Or like, you kind of have like this urge, like how do you work through that kind of stuff now? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really, really good question. So I feel like I've been on this kind of like my hot topic right now is like taking breaks before I actually need them. Mm -hmm. And taking those breaks, like scheduling in those breaks has really helped me to kind of like take a step back and realize that I can't control everything. Not everything can be perfect. Um, And that has really helped me to get over some of those perfectionistic ways because for a long time, it was just like, go, 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 do, do, do until it's done. Yeah. And if I had to, I'm a software engineer right now, I'm working on a piece of code and like, I just want to keep going until it's done. And if that means me sitting at my desk for 12 hours, 
then I'll do that. But you know, my, even my husband's constantly reminding me to take breaks and how I'm so much better if I take breaks. And I'm like, still wanting to fight that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, yeah. Kind of like intentionally scheduling in those breaks has been really helpful because it's given me time to, to sit down, reflect and kind of like put me in my place because now that I'm aware of it, I'm able to talk myself out of going, going, going till it's perfect. Um, but a lot of it too, is I, I said intentional breaks. A lot of it is being really intentional about, choosing what I put my energy towards Mm -hmm. too. Right. So like, for instance, work or or school might be a a better one because, you know, I always try to do, do my best at work because I'm getting paid for it. (laughs) But like at school, you know, I wanted to have all A's all the time. And I practically killed myself over that. And looking back, I wish I would have taken intentional breaks and put in my, put my energy somewhere else so that maybe the grades weren't all A's and weren't perfect in, in air quotes, but the, um, the life I was living was more perfect. You know what I mean? More fulfilling, more intentional. I was getting to spend time with, with my friends more, or I was getting to spend time with my husband more, um, whatever it was, you know what I mean? Um, but I was so focused on outside standards that I put all of my energy towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of the same way, like I I said, I saw Layla as an extension of me for a really long time. So I put all of my energy towards Layla and that's when I started to see some depression, the side effects of myself because I wasn't really taking care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it is easy to just suck everything into the dog and just make it all Mm -hmm. about the dog and then you're ignoring yourself. So I love that. So take breaks and then be intentional with um, where you're giving your energy. I like both of those. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add to the perfectionist thing and then I'll let Scott touch on the people pleasing because Scott is far from a perfectionist. I love him, but (laughs) he does not have that type A. Yeah. He does not have that type A OCD personality. And I'll just say from part of like being an influencer, if you will, we're all out here doing podcasts. Also, um, Caroline has this great podcast dog mom mentality you can hear she has a super sultry voice but she gives great content and she has a great podcast but well, this isn't your... an only fans oh, <laughs> but putting yourself out there um you know in a public way you're gonna get criticism right like you're gonna have some people that are gonna make nasty comments or say things and one thing that i've kind of developed because i i want to like be as good as i can be and put the best product out there as possible i just laugh like i laugh at myself mm-hmm. right it, like just like making it like off the cuff like well yeah. whatever <laughs> that's how you feel that's okay. I'm going to move on with myself. And some of that is that intentional um, energy directing that you talked about. But some of it also is just like, make it more lighthearted. It isn't life or death. You know what I mean? Um, And I just want you to touch on like people pleasing because you're a big one. Like you want all your clients to be happy and everything else. Like what are some ways that you cope with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would getting back to you laughing uh, as it it relates. (laughs) That happens all the time. (laughs) As it relates to dog training, uh, when your dogs fail, when you're teaching them something, you are quick to laugh and make it light and do yeah, it over again where, I, where I'll take it more personally. Yeah. Like, oh, the dog should know this by now. I've done mm-hmm. this so many times yeah. and I've been working with this dog for eight years and that shouldn't be happening. But I think that light, bringing that lightheartedness to tr- dog training That's true. That's is a, a great way to move forward without the dog thinking, oh shit, this, this isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I did something wrong. Mom's mad, yeah. all that stuff. So that's not good. But as far as the people pleasing, what comes to mind with me of course, um, 
with my with my clients. I want them to be happy. I I tend to negate all the good testimonials. Like when someone says, "Oh, you helped me so much," it's like, "Well, I'm glad. Thanks for letting me know. Whatever." But when someone says, "Oh, I didn't feel like you know it was as productive or anything negative." Or even if they have to cancel an appointment, but they don't give me a good excuse. They're like, oh, did I do something wrong? Are they upset? Did it, was it me? And, you know, that kind of thing. But on the other side of that, thinking about me personally and the people-pleasing, I also have that, that curse of wanting everyone to be happy all the time. And if they're not, it has to be a reflection of something I did. It's not about, you know, it's not about them and their craziness. It has to be something that I contributed to them not being happy. But... When I first started training and I got into these protection sports and I saw some, some brutal training, some things that were just did not make me feel good, but I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want anyone to think I wasn't, you know, work. They were all much better trainers than me. I was newer. I'm like, well, this must be the way they do it. But things really bothered me. And if I had a little more self-esteem, a little more self-worth, I would have said, hey, you know, I don't want to be a part of this. If this is what you guys do, that's fine. I don't want to be a part of it. But I went through those things, you know, going to different places and doing things and staying in some places longer than I should have and not speaking up. And I think about that sometimes in my past when I think about different places I went where the training was harsh and, mm-hmm. um, and not saying anything. And by not saying anything, you're accepting it or you're... You know what right I mean? You're just, it, it, that means it's okay. You're, you're watching it. You're there. And it's not right. It's like if, you, if people can't – if everyone is stopping training because of someone drove by the training field because they don't want people to see what's going on, there's a problem yeah. there. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be there. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's, that's good. just that's a side a good, note. That's a good baseline of like having a boundary and speaking. Yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, and, I'm, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm different now and I don't, there's certain things I don't even participate in anymore because I, you know, I don't like the way the training goes. Um, but I don't know with my no, customers, I, I think, what I would I think say. focusing on the good is a good one. Like yeah, I mean, not I, allowing yourself to go down these negative cycles and everything else. Right. And I just think it's important to touch on these things because like the dogs are an extension of us so much, like you've mentioned and like, how can we best help them? And then while we're best helping them, we're best helping ourselves. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. your whole like platform and everything you're heading towards is just awesome. As far as I'm concerned, what are your future goals? Like, where do you want to head? Like, what is your why and dogs, all of this BS? Oh, that's such a good question. But like you said, what is my why and dogs? It's like really all back to the like mental health of people, right? Yeah. So honestly, dogs is just a way for me to talk about it in a very relatable, understanding way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's been this like really great vehicle because I've been able to reach this huge audience that we all share this like common problem that our dog reacts and our dog frustrates sometimes, or like even just our dog steps in their own shit and we already had a bad day. And yeah. so that just sent us over the deep end. Yeah. Right. And uh, that happened to us last night. We kept calling <laughs> Layla poopy foot, <laughs> but um, you know, what, whatever it is, it's like this common thing of like something has happened with our dogs and like we had to work through it emotionally. And that goes from puppy blues all the way up to um, your dog is really sick in their old age. You yeah. know what I mean? And so much of that. But really what it comes down to is that I've always wanted to make an impact in the mental health 
emotional intelligence space Mm -hmm. and increase empathy and emotional intelligence, like just across, across the board. Like whether you say, uh, you know, just a group of 10 people or a group of 10,000 people, it doesn't matter. Ever since I saw somebody from a young age get or be misunderstood due to the stigma around mental health and they were going through a lot of anxiety and depression and, you know, people just weren't really giving them support. They weren't trying to be understanding. They weren't even taking the time to be knowledgeable about what they were going through on like a medical level or just like a human level, because I mean, they were obviously struggling. Right. And ever since I've seen that, I've, I've, you know, first went into it like, oh, well, I never want to be like that person because I never want to be judged or I never want to be unsupported. But then once I started having my own kind of mental health battles, it turned into, I want to make this impact so that people understand more, so that people have more empathy, so that people have a wider knowledge. And sometimes that impact is just on myself. Like anytime that I have an awareness moment, I'm like, oh, I've did my job today because I made an impact on myself. Yeah. But then, you know, there are days that uh, something on Instagram reaches 10,000 people. I'm like, yes, I did my job today. I was able to talk about this topic that I'm so passionate about and it reached X amount of people. So, so really it all goes back to this increasing emotional intelligence, empathy, and awareness to society. And at the end of the day, it doesn't actually have to do with dogs. It's just a really great vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I do want to give a shout out to people who are listening that are like, Hey, I'm pretty stable in my own right. A lot of kids now are struggling, like as they're growing up, like dealing with stuff and everything else. And a lot of parents that have kids that are struggling and dogs that are struggling, it's like just stress combined. You know what I mean? Like it's just accentuated to this next level. So even if you yourself feel like, you know, Scott and I do like cold baths. We meditate. Like we do mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff for our mental health. You know, if you feel like I'm in my own right and I take Bikram and I'm good and everything else, things that like you're talking about on your podcast and stuff could help the children and can help the dogs and the children in the house and can help everyone just kind of grow into more like authentic healing as early on as mm-hmm. possible because the dogs do heal us. I mean, the bottom line is like, if you're listening to your dogs, like they're going to help you be better people, you know? Well, right. at the very yeah. least, they're going to be a mirror and they're going to show you how fucked up you really are. <laughs> you can choose yeah. You can choose to um, improve yourself yeah. and work on yourself yeah. or this dog is going to keep reminding you yeah. that you got some problems, buddy. Yeah, and it's you true. Know? And right. it's the same thing in our house. Like, you know, I'll be like, hey, babe, your dog's being anxious. Like, you know, it's not like it means that like, oh, we all have gotten to this other side and, you know, our dogs are just perfect, but it is just a good way to like check back in with ourselves. You know, they're labeled man's best friend, woman's best friend, whatever, because they do help us. Like they do help us mm-hmm. to heal and they help us to look. So definitely check out the podcast, the healing journal, the growing in the healing journal on your website. Anything else that we've missed? No, I, I think, well, actually I, I did want to, want to say one thing. So, you know, there was a time that people would criticize about what you, what you feed your dog, how you play with your dog, uh, how you train your dog. There was even one time that somebody said that if you tug with your dog, your dog is going to be aggressive. And I remember somebody commented that on my video and I was like, this is definitely not making her aggressive, but you get those comments. Right. And it it was all like, you're a, you're a bad dog owner. You don't know what you're doing. And so I made the shirt that says bad dog mom on it to kind of like, (laughs) just own it. it. (laughs) Yeah. Just own it. 
embrace it and laugh at it. So yeah. that's also available on my website. Okay, if, great. So you have the store would, and you guys- be a bad dog mom. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> and your Instagram, you are like a full-on Instagram influencer. So check her out. She has great content and that's Dog Mom Mentality, also your handle, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, great. Do you have anything else to add? Well, I just really appreciate your emotional maturity at 25 because I can identify with everything that you're talking about, but I was not emotionally mature enough until I was well over 50, honestly. (laughs) I mean, I looked at, I mean, I just felt the way I was raised, I just felt as though emotion, uh, mental health problems were mostly just weakness and mm-hmm. this is just the way I was raised. And unless you were, you know, a complete psychopath or something, you had to be very extreme for it to actually right. be a real illness. And uh, it took a while for me to really come to terms with my own mental problems, emotional problems, accept them, work through things, and and then have much more empathy for even the homelessness situation. Whereas mm-hmm. I used to think of them, well, you know, go get a job. There's plenty of jobs out there. It's not, I mean, if it were that easy, it wouldn't be such a huge problem in this country right now. There's a lot going on in the world. A lot of people need help. And I'm just very grateful that I'm able to keep my own life together enough to live indoors and have some great dogs and pay my bills and and help people uh, when I can, how I can. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's so true. You even brought out more empathy in my husband than most people ever do. So that's so good. But this underlying like theme of empathy, like let's be empathetic towards all dogs, all owners, everyone struggling. Like, let's show them some love rather than get on these videos and criticize and be like, if you were doing this or if you weren't using this tool or if this, like, just let's show empathy. Like, we're all doing the best mm-hmm. we freaking can out there. And ideally, we're all like a community of dog lovers. So well, thank you for you, supporting right. the you, community of dog lovers. You can't show empathy if you don't have any for yourself. That's true. That's you gotta true. give yeah. yourself a little break first. Yeah, give yourself some so grace. True. Give yourself yeah. some grace. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Caroline. Yeah, I hope everybody you. checks out yeah, um, thank you. this journal, the podcast, the Instagram, everything she's offering. I'm really pumped about it. Um, And in the meantime, take care of your mental health and keep it quirky. Thanks. (laughs) Take care, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.